Praise the name of the Lord. Today we will continue in our um, series on Ephesians. Thank God for last week Wednesday. Tribe was fantastic. Praise the Lord. And uh, thank God for the week before that also. You know, we had two weeks of, of break. Tribe was also fantastic. Amen. So we'll continue in our series and our teaching, Bible study actually, of the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter... Chapter what? Chapter 5. We are in chapter 5. That is correct. We are in chapter 5. And... Um, I'll be reading from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. The New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 1 to the end. It's on the screen if you don't have an RSV. Um, so just follow along as I read. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among saints, entirely out of place, is obscene, silly, of vulgar talk. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are the light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful work of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Sleeper, awake. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Remember that scripture from Sunday? Okay, cool. 
Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. Give it thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are subject to the Lord. For the Lord is the head, for the husband, sorry, is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which is the Savior. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also ought wives ought to be in a few things. In the things that you are agreeable. <laughs> in everything to their husbands. Husbands love your wives just like you love your mother. Husband loves your wife just as what? Christ loved the church. And in case you don't know how, he gave himself up for her. You are beginning to feel that this is going to be an interesting Bible study. <laughs> In order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. Verse 27. So as to present church to himself in splendor without a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind. Yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own body, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Because we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery. And I'm applying it to Christ 
and to the church. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in the mighty name of Jesus. We explained that there are two types of Bible translation versions. We have the literal translation. The literal translations seek to do a word-for-word -word translation. When they see A, they look for what is A in that language. When they see boy, they look for boy in that language. When they see house, they look for house in that language. That's literal. Then we have the dynamic translations. Those, they don't seek to do word for word. They, they seek to do thought for thought, sentence for sentence. What did the person say in this, this sentence or in this paragraph or in this, in this thought? What thought is he trying to communicate? Then they translate the thoughts to the other language. So we have the literal translations like the King James Version, the Young Literal Translation, and the, well, in... A lot of scholars agree that the NRSV is the most accurate of the literal translations, and that's the one we just read, we are, we are using for our Bible study. Then we have the um, dynamic translation, which is the interpreted text. It is not word-for-word -word translation, it is just interpreted, the thoughts are interpreted, and that we have NIV was the very first one, and um, NLT, that, which is our default translation in God's Baby House, is a dynamic translation. So, we combine the two. We, we base on the literal for Bible study and we, we, we use the um, dynamic alongside. For our normal services, we use the dynamic, which is uh, NLT. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so we saw in part one, in Ephesians 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints that are in Ephesus. And we, we, we explained that Paul says he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God the Father, by the will of God. And we explained that he was talking to people in the church in Ephesus, and he says, to the saints in Ephesus. So Paul regarded the church, the people that were still alive as saints, the word of God regards God's people as what? Saints. So you are a saint. So instead of saying, brother, this just says saint. Uh, saint. <laughs> Blessing. Saint. You know? Saint Charles. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And we, we saw in part two, which is chapter two, um, how Paul was saying, verse one, that you were dead through your trespasses and sins. And we, we, we explained that we are not just trying to behave well, we were actually dead and Jesus made us alive. Jesus did not make us better people. Jesus made us alive from death. Two different things entirely. And we explained the difference between a trespass and, and what sin is. 
what, what the transgression is and what sin is. We explain the difference. And in, in part three, in chapter three, we, we, we saw that God says to us in verses 18 and 19 that may you have the power to understand all God's, as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is God's love. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. And we did say that the faith that understands is not necessarily at variance with the faith that experiences. The faith that believes and experiences is not, is not at variance, it's not at war with the faith that reasons. In fact, the faith that reasons validates the faith that experiences. And there's a limitation to the faith that reasons, you know, from this passage of scripture. Our, the under, how you can really understand the love of God is limited, but you can actually fully experience the love of God. You, you may not be able to explain how much your husband loves you, but you can experience how much your husband loves you. Does that make sense? That's, that's what the Bible is saying. That some things just don't, can't be expressed with words. Praise the name of the Lord. At least you can experience how much God loves you. Part four, we saw new life instruction. Paul was giving us, through the Lord was giving us through the uh, Apostle Paul, new life instructions. He, he was saying, stop stealing. If you are stealing, he says, do not sin by letting your anger control you. Don't be angry and sin not. Those are life instructions, the new life instructions. He says, quit stealing. Stop telling lies. He says, don't use foul and abusive language. And he tells us how to behave. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Make allowance for each other's faults. And we saw that God wants us to be built up in Christ, not tossed to and fro like children by a new wind of doctrine. Oh, there's uh, <laughs> there are all sorts of things going on out there, you know. And people are just jumping from one, oh, this is the new thing. Oh, now you can laugh in the Holy Ghost. Of course you can laugh in the Holy Ghost. You know, how can that be all your life ambition to be laughing in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> I mean, so people just get tossed to and fro, and God says that we should be built up and not be like children tossed to and fro. And today in chapter 5, we will attempt to go deep and wide at the same time. In, in chapter 1, we went very deep. We couldn't go very wide. From chapter 2 and 3, we began to do deep and wide. But chapter 4, we kind of are stabilizing deep and wide. So chapter 5. So Paul continues with new life instruction in verses 3 to 20. And he's telling us what to stay away from. If you read verses 3 to 20, it was clear what to stay away from. People that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Paul was clear. The word of God is clear. People that practice these things will not. And the key word there is practice. People that do them. People whose life 
pattern is these things cannot. And he listed sexual sin as one. And I was told that the, the women of worship had a fantastic meeting and they, they really had a good time, I mean, dissecting this, <laughs> you know. Um, so praise God for that. And we will, uh, we will not dissect it. And we will trust our women to share their notes with us so that we will all be on the same page. Okay, so sexual sin. Second one he mentioned there was greed. You, and you notice it's a, it's a continuation from chapter 4. Then he went ahead and, and talked about vulgar stories. Vulgar stories. I mean, WhatsApp has made it so easy to, to, to forward vulgar stories, to forward vulgar jokes, to forward things that when your children grow up, they will not be proud that their mommy or their daddy was forwarding such. Praise the name of the Lord. He talked about indecency. Indecency. And this is not, this does not only appear, ap applies to, to women, also men. Men can be indecently dressed. Indecency. Praise the name of the Lord. Then he went on to talk about silly talk. Foolish talk, corrupt talk. So as Christians, Paul is saying, stay away from these things. Stay away. Everybody say, stay away. Stay away from these things. And verse 8, something very powerful was shared with us by Paul by the Lord through Paul. And we've been explaining this in, 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 a, in another way before now. It says that for once you were darkness. It did not say for once you were in darkness. Paul did not say for once there was a time you were in darkness. No, it wasn't a time we were in darkness. There was a time we were darkness. Praise the name of the Lord. But now, the Lord has not, just, has not put us in the light. The Lord has made us light. Praise the name of the Lord. So, we are not just in the light. We actually are light. So, Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. In other words, let's break that down. It means that if you are not in your office, there will be so much darkness, they won't know they are left from their right. That is what Jesus wants for you. And that is who you are. So, so God is saying to you, if you are not in your, in your family, for those of us, maybe our family members are not saved. Or if you are not in your village, for those of us, maybe our whole villages are not saved. If you are not in your, in your street, the whole street is in darkness. Spiritual darkness. So the fact that you are there, you, do, you are not just bringing light. You are the light. And that changes everything. 
So I am, I, 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 when I was outside of Christ, I was not just in darkness, I was darkness. So that makes me appreciate what Jesus has done for me. The work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. So I, I, I was darkness. You were darkness. We were all darkness. So when we come to Christ, he doesn't just put us in the light. He makes us light. So you are light. And he went on and says that, so live as what? Children of light. It was amazing. So you can't be light and be living as children of darkness. This, something is wrong with that. That is a misnomer. You, if you are light, it's possible to be light. And in your office, when they see you, they don't see any light. They are confused. That is going to change today. In the name of Jesus. In your street, in your world, the people you do life with, you talk to people anyhow. You abuse everybody. You are pungent. You are disrespectful. You are arrogant. There's nothing in you that is the picture of Christ from people that do life with you. Why? Because you are the light of the world. If you are only good in church, you are not good at all. If the salt is only salt, when it's in the salt jar, it's not useful at all. If the light is only light when it's under the table, it's not light at all. You can't just be a Christian in church. What does your house help think about you? What does your driver think about you? Can driver say, Madame, <laughs> Madame, they go church. She, they go church. That, that's what, so, you know, so the guy is saying, she, they go church, but church, no, they inside. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, they go church. You know, that should not be our story. God is saying to us, you are children of light. Live as children of light. You are the light. Live as children of light. What will your bosses say? What will your colleagues say? What will your business partners say? What will your customers say? You are giving funds for A. You divert it and do B. What would your vendors say? You are the light of the world. I mean, and it's a huge, huge responsibility that you know, God, God is giving us. You know, in other words, if we don't arise, the world will remain in darkness. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen, Nigeria, you know, I, I really don't like talking about politics. I don't talk about politics at all. <laughs> have you noticed? Deliberately, it's not because I don't have an opinion. It's not because I don't perceive what God is doing. But if you check all Jesus' public ministry, he never, he never spoke politics. In fact, when they tried to drag him into the matter, that said, should we pay taxes? He says, give me the coin. 
It should, there's those pictures on the coin. This is, I said, give unto Caesar. Give unto Caesar. And give unto. That's the closest Jesus got to talk, mentioning Caesar's name. If this nation is going to change, it should be obvious to you by now that it will not be from the political class. It should be obvious to you by now. If this nation is going to change, it's going to be because of you and I. You may feel helpless that, wow, if it's based on me, and then there's no hope. That is where we get it wrong. There's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. So, so I think we should just clap for Jesus. I mean, that's beautiful. So, so it is not me. He made you the light of the world. He made us the light of the world. So, wh when he says that you are the light of the world, he, he says, I have given you all it takes. It doesn't look like it now. But if you will just trust me and take your stand and watch this light shine through. Praise the name of the Lord. It is going to be based on you and I. The world is depending on us. God is depending on us. And we can stay here for a bit. But let's go on. Verse, verse 1 tells us how to achieve this. How to, how, to, how to bring this to pass. It says, imitate God. This how do you do this? How, how, do, how do I do this? Imitate God. Therefore, in a few things, in some things, in the things you like, in everything you do, because you are their children. So, when I imitate God, you know, Jesus, there was a time, Jesus was saying to his disciples, I, I, I don't do anything of my own. As I see the Father do, that is what I do. You know, if we, we imitate God. There's one thing children are specialists at doing, imitating their parents. Have you noticed? Children will imitate. You can tell them. The children don't likely do do as I say. They do do as I do. If all they see is you fighting their mom, they would go to school thinking that they are uh, what are the WWF characters, <laughs> you know, mighty ego <laughs> of those days, I don't know, those guys are gone now, I don't know the latest guys now, <clears throat> so they would think they are just, and God is saying, I am your father, look at me and imitate me, so if I can imitate God in everything, then I don't need to worry about do's and don'ts. So if I can imitate God in everything, I don't need to worry about do's and don'ts. I'm just doing what I'm seeing my father do. So I'm just living my, his life through my heart. And that, that just makes it beautiful. 
while Paul gives us a list and Paul encourages us on what to flee from, what to, be, what to become, and the list can be endless. But the truth is that when we imitate God, we don't need to worry about any list. Because as he is, so are we by his grace. So the, the, the question, let's, let's drill down for that. So, so what is it really to imitate God? What is God like? What is it to imitate God? Verse 2 tells us what it is to imitate God. It says, live a life filled with what? With love. Following the example of God, of Christ. He loved us by offering himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So what is it to imitate God? To imitate God is to walk in love. Because God is love. That is, that is what it is to imitate God. To imitate him is to walk in love. That's what it is. You see, it's not, it's not rocket science. Because God is love. First John 3.14 says to us, First John 3.14. We're going to read 14 to 18. It says, if we love our brothers. Now, this is so important. This is so big for every Christian. It is, it is so huge. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. Whoa. What is the proof? You know, I said that Jesus was, didn't come to make us good people. He came to take us from death to life, right? What is the proof that we have passed from death to life? What's the proof? That we love the brethren. That we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the proof that we have passed from death to life. So when you see a Christian that cannot stand another Christian, I just hate that lady. I just hate that guy. What does that tell you? They are still in death. <laughs> they haven't passed from death to life. And, and the Bible is not talking about the world. The Bible is talking about your brothers and sisters. Obviously in church, in God's perfect house, and beyond God's perfect house, because the church is bigger than God's perfect house. You understand what I'm saying? So, so when you see Baptists that cannot stand Anglicans, Something is wrong with that. When you see Pentecostals that cannot stand, um, pardon, Methodists, <laughs> you see, you see, there's something wrong with that. It shows that those that can't stand the other, they actually have not passed from death to life. Why? Because the proof that we've passed from death to life is that we what love one another. When you have brothers and sisters in the same unit, in the same department, they will not greet each other. Proof that what? They've not passed from death to life. When you see your brother coming through one door and you take your face, you know, you know proof. So this is so big. If we love our brothers and sisters, it proves we are passed from death to life. But a person who has no love 
is still dead. So you can be in church and still be dead. I'm praying today that you will pass from death to life today. In the mighty name of Jesus. It's possible. Can you go on, please? Verse 15 says, Anyone who hates his brother, who hates another brother or sister, is really a murderer at heart. He says, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life in them. At least you know that. And he says that if, if, if you hate your brother, you can't stand the, the gods of your sister. You can't stand to be in the presence of, your, of the fellow brethren. He says, eternal life is not present. Eternal life, God's life, pours love in your heart and makes it melt all kinds of bitterness and all kinds of hatred and all kinds of resentment in us. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 16, we know that real, what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So because Jesus gave, us, gave up his life for us, we also ought to, I say we ought to, we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to. We ought to be able to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, why you are thinking so far, I know you are thinking so far, Pastor, that is hard. <laughs> you mean, you mean, um, you mean, uh, uh, I should be able to die for my sister in, in prayer department, or my sister in ushering, or my brother in, in Sea uh, Rock, or, or in tribe, or, I mean, that is just hard. While that is the truth, and that's what the Bible says. But you see, the truth also, parallel truth is this. The only blood that is required to save anybody has been shed already on the cross of Calvary, and that's the blood of Jesus. My blood cannot save a cockroach. Your blood cannot save an ant. So just, just know that. So what, what the Lord is saying is this. We should be selfless and sacrificial, if need be, laying down our lives. We should be selfless and sacrificial to the needs of the people that we are doing life with. And, and, and the Word of God goes on to explain what God is saying in verse 17. He says, in case you don't get what I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. If someone has enough money to live well. I want to bring it home. Because when I say, lay down your lives, you think I'm just in the sky. This is what I'm saying. You have enough money to live well, and you see your brother or sister in need, but you show no compassion. He says, 
How can God's love be in that person? So can you see that? Before you start thinking of going to the cross, your pocket, the money in your pocket, let it talk first. Before you start thinking of the ultimate death for the brethren, which I don't think God will require of anybody, God is saying, what about your life that is in your pocket? You know, you know your money is the representation of your life. You give your life in exchange for your money. That, that's what happens. You, you go to work, you exchange eight hours a day for 30 days of your life, and you get an alert. <laughs> and if it is business, it is still, which you are going to see very shortly, it is still the 24 hours that you are exchanging your life for, that you are getting value for. So your, your money is really your life. So when, which is why giving is so important to God. Because when you give to God or you give at all at God's instruction, you are actually giving your life. So, so you see your brother is in need. You have money. And he's struggling. And he said, God bless you in the name of Jesus. Let the doors be open. Receive the breakthrough. And you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. God says, we have heard your prayer. It's time for action. <laughs> Give the guy some money. Give the lady some money. If you can't do that, God is saying, how can the love of God be in your heart? Someone comes to church, you see the person wears the same shirt every time. Every time. It's not uniform. It's not the uniform. The same shirt. He doesn't even wear the same shirt. His shirt is faded. You, you are even struggling when to put your... Can't you just take like 15 of your shirts and give him can I get an amen? amen? Someone is just in the sun. Every time, trying to make it to church, after church, trying to go home, you know, you have five cars parked. What are you doing with five cars? Excuse me. Give two away. someone and give. You see, and that is where the word of God comes home. It comes home because if you want to be imitators of God, God left his kingdom and came to die for us. He gave his life for us. God said, you have earthly goods, you cannot share with your brother and your sister. How can God be living in your heart? That's what the Bible says. How can God be living in your heart? And before you start thinking, I hope they are hearing now. I hope they are hearing. It is you I'm talking to you. <laughs> you. <laughs> before, before you start thinking, that 
person that has my car in their garage. I hope they are hearing pure word, pure word from heaven. Sound doctrine. No, 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 it's you I'm talking to. Because everybody has something to give. Everybody. Everybody. And everybody can help somebody. Everybody can help somebody. That's what we see here. It says, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18 says, their children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our action. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, okay, I'm going to skip. We've gone, we've gone some depth, so let's try and do some width. So I'm going to, I'm going to just ask that you read First Corinthians 13, from verse 1 to 13. Um, we won't go into that. We're supposed to take it as, as your collaborative Bible study assignment. First Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 13. Okay, so we'll skip a couple of other contents and we'll, we'll just go on to verse 16. It says, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. You see, while everybody has the same amount of time in a day, not everybody gets the same out of the 24 hours. Everybody has, when today started, we all had 24 hours, right? Out of that 24 hours, we have less than five hours left, maybe four hours and 15 minutes less. But we have gotten different things out of today. From a spiritual standpoint, we've gotten different spiritual life out of today. Some of us have made amazing spiritual progress today. Some have made very little spiritual progress today. You have made out time to come for tribe. You are making spiritual progress today far more than those that are sleeping in their houses. I'm sure you know that. Praise the name of the Lord. Same thing. In this 24 hours, some of us have made more money than the others. Some people, it is five couple per hour. Some people, it is 50,000 per hour. Some people, it's much more than that. And it's the same 24 hours. Isn't it amazing? God gives everybody the same 24 hours. Yet, we extract different things out of the 24 hours. And God is saying, make the most of the time. Because the days are evil. So you have what people make every working hour is different. Let's take paid employment as an example. So people go to work 
the same organization, they resume at the same time. They close at the same time. From Monday to Friday, every day of the month. And at the end of the month, some people received a lot of 50,000, some people received a lot of 5 million. The same time. Why? Because <laughs> working hour rates are different. Working hour rates are different. There's working hour rates, there's waking hour rates, and there's every hour rates. Every hour rates are different. Sometimes you need to understand that the same applies spiritually. Spiritually, working hour rates are different. Spiritually, waking hour rates are different. Spiritually, every hour rates are different. But God is saying, make the most of every opportunity. The NLT says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. If you are going to fulfill your destiny, you have to make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because what time comes with is opportunity. That's what time comes with. Time always comes with opportunity. So time is pregnant with opportunity. So the, that's why it's used inter interchangeably. So make the most of every time. Make the most of every opportunity. Time is pregnant with opportunity. So when you seize the opportunity, you are making the most of the time. The, days, the times you have come here to sit down and listen to God's word, you have made the most of the time. For your destiny, your spiritual life, even in your finances, you've made the most of the time. In every interaction, in reaching people that are far from God, you make the most of the time. Make the most, every time presents its opportunities. Make the most of it. You know, <laughs> some time ago, I mean, not, not too long ago, last two weeks or last week, it was just last week, actually, when I was in Cape Town, I was with um, Pastor Tim, and we were playing golf. Now, there were these two guys that were, <laughs> um, uh, obviously, not um, South Africans. They were like, I think they were Americans. So they were with us in the group. So there were four of us playing. Now, by the time you get to like more than half of the course, you, everybody has kind of become acquainted with each other, you know? So everybody's kind of talking freely. When you start at O1, everybody's, you know, uptight. You know, by the time you get to more than half, Everybody's, you know, talking freely. So, I would look at someone before they take their shot. As they take their stance, and I would tell them that this is where the ball is going to go. And the person takes the shot, and the shot goes exactly where I, want, I said it to go. It happened the first time, it happened the second time, it happened the third time. I look at the person... I said, this ball is going to go right. And the ball goes, goes right. 
It's not, uh, it's not prophecy. <laughs> it's, it's just um, um, technical details. You know, how the person stands and the, the rotation, everything. You can tell where the ball is going to go. Even before impact, you can tell. So the guy that is American was like, wow, you seem to be able to see into the future. <laughs> so, so I said, yes, I actually can see into the future. So he says, he says so what is in my future? Now, that is an opportunity. I need to make the most of it. So I did something spiritual. I said, mmm. I said, I see two futures for you. <laughs> it was actually serious. <laughs> Our team was like, Pastor, what are you doing? I said, I see two futures for you. And he, and he, and he was like, okay. And he wants to know that. I should tell him we're working out our balls. I should tell him what, what, what lies ahead of him. What are the two futures? I said, I see a future in Christ. And I see a future out of Christ. I said, your future out of Christ will lead you to doom. Your future in Christ will lead you to glory. You, you would think he would be upset. He wasn't upset. He was like, that is deep. I, 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 that, honestly, that was all I, I said to him. And we played and we ended the conversation. But I felt that was all God wanted me to say to him. And for some reason, I felt he understood what I was saying. That guy will go from there, maybe go to church on Sunday, maybe give his life to Jesus. But when they are recording it in heaven, uh, <laughs> that's how it works. Everyone you come in contact with has an eternal destiny. There's a, I mean, you have to make the most of every opportunity. You have to make the most of every opportunity. God opens the door for you to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Just preach the word. You, it's not your job to save people, but it's your job to preach the gospel. Praise the name of the Lord. Make the most. Okay, let's clap for Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. And verse 18. Uh, need to go quickly. But the thing says, don't be drunk with wine. Okay, I'm going to leave that to you. I was going to explain that in more detail and go deeper in that, but let me leave 18 and 19 to you. Go to, um, don't be drunk with wine and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's do a Bible study around that. Should Christians drink? Is, should we not drink? Is it to be drunk? Is it not to be drunk? You know, and all that stuff. I trust that the Holy Spirit will explain that to you. And verse 20 also. So we skip. Verse 21 says, And Father, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Now this now, now comes home to the husband and wife and says, Husband and wife, submit one to another out of reverence. For Christ, out of reverence for Christ. Now, <laughs> this is usually expunged for some strange reason. 
for marriage uh, wedding ceremonies, they usually start with, we usually start with, I think we need to correct that. We usually start with verse 22. That says, for wives, this means. Now, what means? What means? The first verse. Submitting one to another. Husband submit to your wife. Wife submit to your husband. Both of you submit to one another. It's not repressive. Wives are under their husband's feet. That's not what the Bible says. No. Submit one to another. That's where it started from. Now, for wives, this means submit to your husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. So, he has to be as unto the Lord. So, in everything, as unto the Lord. So, if it is not unto the Lord, you don't submit. Listen, my wife is watching this online. So, am I preaching rebellion? No. I'm preaching the word of God. If your husband says to you, go and rob a bank, don't do it. Do I need to tell you not to do it? This is what, what the Bible says. Submit to your husband in everything as unto the Lord. Uh, show him that one too. <laughs> but that's the word of God. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. You know, I was counseling, my wife and I were counseling a couple. And we were talking about submission and all that. You know, one of the ways God has helped me in life is that sometimes I, I not only hear what is spoken, I hear what, I hear what is not spoken. I don't know how to explain it. So in the, the course of the, the, the counseling session, I was like, this girl... I think she's not saying something. Something is wrong. So I asked her a question. I said to her, if your husband tells you to do anything, will you do it? She said, yes. The yes of a new bride. Confident and fired up. <laughs> you know? So I said, um, if your husband tells you to poison his mother and get rid of his mother, will you do it? Without flinching, she said yes. She said she will do it. Not because she hates her mother-in-law, but it's her husband. He's the one that will take the punishment. After all, I'm under him. He's the one that will, is my cover. Foolish woman. So, so, so I said to her, bam, 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 bam. This thing is not like that. That's not the Bible. And I broke it down for her. And thank God my wife was right there. So, I, I mean, I wasn't saying something that is wrong. So, and I explained to her, you have a duty to, your, to yourself when you stand before God. Do you know that in Christ there's no male or female? Do you know you're going to stand by yourself and give account for your life? And you can never say 
my husband said this. It is you. Why did you do this? Do you know that's what's going to happen? Everybody will give account on judgment day. Otherwise, listen, otherwise, otherwise, Sephira should not have died. When God stood, you see, you see, when the Bible says, submit to your, to your own husbands, the pastor eh, is representing God. Do you understand? The pastor is a representative of God. Hmm. Uh, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but that's just what it is. That's just what it is. So when Peter stood, and what Peter said to Ananias, how much did you sell the land? Ananias said, for such and such an amount. Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? Now, excuse me, how can Peter be calling himself the Holy Ghost? Who asked Ananias the question? Was it the Holy Spirit? Answer now. Was it the Holy Spirit? Peter asked the question. Who did Ananias answer to? When Peter was interpreting it, who did Peter say Ananias was lying to? Why? Because Peter is not there by himself. Peter is representing the Holy Spirit, the chief shepherd of his flock. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, it's a huge responsibility, I know. It's, it's mega. It's mega. So when Sapphira showed up, Peter gave Sapphira a chance. How much did you sell the land? And Sapphira said, for such and such. <laughs> and Peter says, hey, yeah, I thought you would be spared. He didn't say that, but this is my interpretation. <laughs> the people that carried your husband out, they are coming. And she fell, fell and died. And they carried her out. The point is this. If Sapphira was not responsible by herself before God, would Peter have asked her? Answer. Number two, will her answer be relevant since Ananias has taken the flak for the house? Totally irrelevant. But that's not God's word. That's an abusive way of interpreting authority and submission. That's an abusive way of interpreting husband submit to your wives. It must start with submit one to another. There must be mutual respect and mutual submission. If it doesn't exist, there's no marriage. You know, guys, should I, should I preach the truth? Should I doctor it a little bit so that, so that it's sweet? <laughs> That's the truth of the word of God. In black and white. As the church submits to Christ, so the wife should submit to their husband in everything. Of course, the precedence is what I've explained. Verse 25 says, Submit one to another. 
the, the, the verse 22 and 23 and 24 explains what it means to the wife. Now, verse 25 downwards says, this is what it means to the husband. Submitting one to another, for the husband, this is what it means. Love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her <laughs> to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the water by the word. He did this to present for her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any of such blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. The same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. You know, when somebody fully um, understands this, the man said to me that, Pastor, this thing favors women more than men. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. God always protects the weaker. Always. You know, that's why the Bible says that you should treat them with understanding so that your prayers will not be hindered. So, that's the protection. God always, always. But if you don't understand this, you would think it's a subservient rule that God is establishing here. And God is saying, the wives must be the slaves. The wives must submit, and they must submit in everything. And the boundary only exists when, if, hopefully not when, if your husband says to go outside of the word of God or the will of God. So, if your husband does not say to go outside of the word of God or the will of God, you submit 100%. He says, I don't want my children in this school. I don't know. He may be an illiterate. He may, may be... Until he has enough understanding, like you that have PhD, you submit and your children will go to the school your husband wants to. No question asked. Uh, I can see that not many, many people are clapping because they're like, Pastor, <laughs> they're like, Pastor, what if my husband doesn't know schools? What if I know schools better? You actually may know schools better. Oh. You see, when it comes to authority and submission, it has nothing to do with who is right and who is wrong. When it comes to deal with authority and submission in the boundaries of God, it has nothing to do with who is right and who is wrong. It has everything to do with God's order. And rule. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, for instance, let me give you another one. Um, um, the husband says, We will be praying three times in this house. And you're like, How is that practical? I, I'm going to work. I'm tired when I get back. Or he says that, okay, we're going to pray one hour before we sleep. They're like, ah, you want to kill us? Are we the one that killed Jesus? Guess what? 
Submission requires you say, yes, sir. End of story. Do I get an amen? amen? I mean, your husband says that I don't want you to worry about anything. You're not going to buy petrol. You're not going to pay for food. You're not going to pay for anything. Just keep your money. I'll take 100% care of you. Why should you argue with that? All you say is what? Sansa. <laughs> I mean, why would, you, why would you argue with that? I mean, is that not in God's will? That he feeds you, he houses you, he takes care of your children, he takes care of your bills. Is that, is that outside God's will? So why would you rebel against that? You know, there are many ways to teach something. <laughs> you can teach it in the inverse, or you can teach it in the direct. Um, anyway, um, I'm sure you get what I'm saying. You guys are pretty smart. Now, verse, verse 33 now sums it up and says, So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Do we have any questions? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> maybe we take one or two questions then we are done. <laughs> okay, let's start for Jesus for his word. Okay, any questions? Yes, there's a hand there. Okay, put the hands up so that he can help you with the mic. And there's another hand there. So please give them the mic. Praise yes. The- Lord. Hallelujah. Please, Pastor, can that submission for a, a wife to the husband be likened to compromise? If not, how can we differentiate compromise from that submission? Okay. Well, um, compromise is not necessarily a bad word. Um, um, we, we reach compromises every day, you know. Um, so, but because of how that word compromise rubs off on a lot of us negatively, whenever we hear compromise, we think we are losing something or we think we are, we are shortchanging ourselves or anything. So I'd rather use the word agreement. Right. So, yes, they both must agree. And two cannot work together except they are, they are agreed. And so there must be some giving up here, giving up there, reaching a common ground and moving forward. If you want to call that compromise, that is correct. But I would rather say agreement. Does that help? Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact word you used earlier on when you talked about um, 
maybe like uh, Pentecostals, not in agreement with Methodists right. and, and the likes. Right. Now, my question is, in today's world, we have all sorts of funny sects that right. still call themselves Christians. Churches, yeah. Churches, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a classic example. Right. T.B. Joshua. Right. As a Christian, where do I draw the line with that kind of Christian? Yeah, you know, T.B. Joshua is a non-believer. No, I know. <laughs> so, you will treat him as a non-believer. And so, some of you don't even know that he's not saved. You don't know. Uh, some people don't know. You see, that's deception that has happened because of the media. He's not, he's not a child of God. Talk less of being a man of God. He isn't. It's not about talking down to anybody. You know, I mean, we don't do that. You know, He's not even close. So, such a person, you don't treat as a Christian. You pray for the salvation of his soul. That he finds Christ. You know? Um, um, when we say that, we are, we, um, let's take Pentecostals and Methodists, for instance. There are some things that Pentecostals and Methodists will never agree on until Jesus comes. That's the truth. But it doesn't mean I can't love my brother that is a method, that is Methodist. I can love him. We don't need to see eye to eye on every issue before we can walk hand in hand on every issue. We can love ourselves without agreeing on everything. As long as we both agree on salvation of soul, of Jesus being Lord, and, we, and accepting him as your personal Lord and Savior, and we are both going to heaven, then, then we are fine. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. My, my main issue is not to be like, I'm in sync with you about his right. uh, position. My concern is his followers, people that are ignorantly following him and right. taking a strong stance in... Right. You know, those are the ones that are more difficult to handle. Right. You know, with respect to dealing with them. Yes, they are. I agree. Yeah. But you know, those ones, I think we should just for those that we are able to help, we should just keep teaching the truth. The more truth people have, the more they can recognize error. Do you understand? So the the, the more at least today you've learned something today, right? <laughs> So, you can take your Bibles and go on YouTube and do your, you know, study and you discover that it's false, you know, by yourself. So, don't take my word for it. Go and research it and you find out. If I were you, I wouldn't even bother. It's a waste of time. <laughs> it's a bloody waste of time. You know, one of, one of, the, um, of the things that um, you should be careful of as, as believers is, is the leaven. What you eat. It's not everybody you listen to. It's not everybody that says the man of God that you listen to his tape. Some tape will destroy your faith. You know, there's, I've told you a story about Kenneth Hagin. He's an avid reader. He loves reading. And I was reading one of his books. I love reading myself. I mean, if you see my books, well, not a few. Let me just say that. I was reading one of his books, and he was saying that he has a friend that they were both like, they love books. And whenever he visits his friend, he, sits in, he sleeps in his friend's library. That was how bad it was. That's where they bring his food. Because he's trying to read as many of his friend's books as possible. So one of these days, his friend came back from work and saw him in his library and said to him that, ah, 
that he wished he had not read a particular book. You know? And, and he said to him, you are you're a strong man of God. You are so advanced in the faith. How can you say you, you wish you had not read a particular book? He said that book sowed doubts in his heart that till that date he was still struggling with the salvation. Man of God. Talk less of a, a tata. You are exposing yourself if you read everything out there. You cannot. Some people say, so, ah, pastor, there's an amazing revelation in the seventh and eighth book of Moses. I've not even finished reading the first five. I'm telling you. I mean, <laughs> you want to introduce me to six and seven. Ah. <laughs> I mean, look at, look at that scripture we read on, uh, on the woman with the issue of blood. You know, I mean, the amount of people that have said that they've never seen that scripture like that. Never. On Sunday. We've not even exhausted the canonical scriptures. Why are we worrying ourselves about what is not missing? Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, thank you. So, if there's no other questions, let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Let's give the Lord a great big clap. Let's clap for the Lord and let's appreciate Him. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And let's just talk to God. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Let's appreciate God. And you may be here, you are like, Pastor, you need to pray with me. From the teaching, it appears that I'm still in death. I need to be translated into life. I need to, trans- I need to be translated from death to life. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you, sir. I want to pray with you, my sister. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I will pray with you right there. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray quickly. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. Keep the, keep the hands up. I'm going to pray with you now. I'm going to stop your card in your hand. If the instructions are scrolling, if you are, all, if you are online, that is me. Put up that hand over your head. God bless you. Put it up. I need to be translated from death to life. If you have the card, you can put down your hand. It's okay. I'm going to pray with you shortly. Let's, let's talk to God. Let's talk to him. That is me, Pastor. Put up that hand. Put it up. God bless you. Put it up. Thank you, Father. God bless you, sir. Another hand over there. God bless you. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for everyone that is coming to you today. Lord, we ask... In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you translate this once from death to life in the mighty name of Jesus. From darkness, make them light in the mighty name of Jesus. Every one of us that we've heard your word today, we ask that you take total control of our lives. Lord, give us the grace to be doers of your word. Not hearers alone, deceiving our own selves. We give you praise and glory, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's run together for the Lord again. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.
Tell it a book, cause I'm a tassie, and then it was a shot. 